the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be interviewing, we will actually be doing a rebroadcast of an interview with Jack Hazen, who wrote a book called Mind Over Batter. It's a self-help book. Is it a self-help book? Is it a cookbook? Is it a cookbook? Is it a self-help book? It's two. It's two books in one. Yes. So, uh, very interesting, very interlight, very entertaining, and, and I hope you'll enjoy it, and even if you've heard it before, it's great. We've got wonderful music throughout the show. There is no portion of the week, as the portion of the week has been usurped by the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, which will be this week, starting on the 15th, the 14th at night, Friday, starts at Friday, sundown, and goes all the way to Sunday night. We'll be talking about that. Interesting enough, there was no news this week in Israel. So or anything, it's just the standard stuff. Some people, yeah, they, they did arrest a couple of terrorists. And uh, maybe by the time this thing airs, there'll be some news they should have been talked about. We'll talk about it next week. So we're going to go right to our interview with Jack Hazen, Mind Over Batter. How are you today, Jack? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thank you for asking. Okay. Now, uh, first question, baking as therapy? Explain that, please. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, this all started, I was in, you know, grad school, um, and I needed to make some extra money. So I needed to make some extra dough, so I started baking some dough, no pun intended. And I uh, was just baking 
bread and um, I brought it to a Shabbat dinner and someone said, oh my God, this is, you need to get this into stores. I'm like, oh, you know, I said, this is amazing. Um, and believe it or not, uh, they have this connection to um, a distributor and, a, and, a, and a, a commercial kitchen. And I was like, okay, I, I planted the seed. I go about my, I go about my, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really think about it. I'm baking out of my kitchen, and then um, it kind of, it kind of grew from there. I noticed that when I was baking through school, when there were tests, exams, papers, I would tap into this sort of calming, healing process of baking that would keep me clear, it would keep me grounded, and it would keep me calm. And so whenever I had like a test coming up or an, ex uh, an exam, which there were several, a paper, and I felt overwhelmed, I would take it to the kitchen and I would just bake it out. And that is just something, I didn't really put a name to it, but I knew that that was the thing I turned to. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, my business grew throughout school. It wasn't until school came to an end that I said, oh, I feel so bad. I have to give up baking for therapy. I told my classmates on the last day, and my professor said, Jack, baking is therapy. And I said, oh, my God, it is, you know. So I put together this, this – I put my thoughts down. It took a while, but I thought, okay, let me organize – my a guidebook really it's not necessarily just a cookbook it's a guidebook of different um concerns or themes that people bring into therapy and uh you know each recipe corresponds to that theme so um the finding comfort chapter which deals with grief and loss it tells you to tap into the aroma there aromatherapy is available while baking a recipe that you've baked with someone you loved before that reminds you of a time you want to be transported back to or the mindfulness chapter that uses um, checking in with the body and the hands when making a recipe or this or the self-care chapter which um, has all these amazing recipes that you could indulge just for you and share it if you want to um, that's kind of how it came about okay. but you know it's it's Based, it's based on the idea that baking, when done mindfully, can be healing. Okay, that's fascinating. And, and when, when done mindfully, there are therapeutic benefits to baking. And you could tap into just creativity and, and calm. And um, it also is a wonderful opportunity, by the way, to connect with others because you can share it after. So... Okay, good. So now, do you consider yeah. yourself a therapist who bakes or a baker who therapizes? therapizes? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've been, I think about that sometimes because I'm so not a therapist, you know, like like that's so not my, my vibe, my persona. Um, I would say, you know, but at the end of the day, yes, because also I'm not a, by the way, I'm not a trained baker. I'm an amateur baker. I started baking with my challah. It all started with challah. I would bake with my, my grandmother after school every Thursday challah. And I was, she, she taught me, you know, the power of, well, I actually felt the power of baking therapy. I found that to be therapeutic. And what we, we would talk about everything as we baked, what was going on and how I'm feeling. So I was actually doing it a while ago. 
and that's kind of how I got into baking, but I never was formally trained. Uh, well, it's, believe me or not, that sounds like you were formally trained by your grandmother, who was formally trained by her grandmother, who was formally trained by her grandmother. So you've got generations of formal training there, Jack. Don't uh, sell yourself short. So, but it's, to me, when I first saw the, the blurb about it, and I said, this, this could be an interesting book, and we requested it from the publisher. And I was thinking of a Saturday Night, Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketch where this person comes in and mm. says, Dr., I'm depressed. What should I do? And the therapist says, go bake a babka. Is that, <laughs> does that, I don't want, I don't want to be flippant, but is there something to that? Oh my gosh. I have to tell you something, Rabbi. I'm laughing because my favorite recipe in the book is the babka. And I'm telling you, it has the most there. It is the most healing recipe. There are so many different aspects of that recipe. The process of it, making the crumbs, um, using the dough as your very own stress ball, um, eating it after. You can share it with people. It's just, it's a, it's, it's, it's I'm actually going to do that today, to be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll tell you, for me, like, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a therapist. I'm a talk therapist. You know, that's kind of, I, I, re, I honor the work and respect the work. But I created this as an alternative to talk therapy because I don't, I feel like that you don't necessarily always have to talk your problems out. I think you can use your, your body. I think you use your hands. I think you can use like of, of getting out that energy of shifting it. You know what I mean? Like it, I think we think we just have to talk through problems, but we can work through them differently. We can work through them differently. And, and I like, I think, Anyone listening who's baked before might agree on some level that baking is a form of stress relief and self-care. Um, and the time you, you take to engage in the process of baking, even selecting the recipe, measuring the ingredients, mixing them, preparing them, it can be meditative, you know, and, and, and provide a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. So, you know, I always say turn your kitchen into a sanctuary if you can't really um, make it to a therapist's office, or I'll tell you, a lot of people can't afford to go to traditional talk therapy. It's very expensive. I'm not saying this is a supplement for that, um, but I know if you just want to tap into yourself and you you know you don't have the means to get, I say why not, you know. Cool. Okay. Like my grandmother would say, it probably couldn't hurt. But anyway, so now I have I have a question for you. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. So you were in grad school when you were really getting into it. You said every time you had like a test coming up, you were stressed. You would go bake. I have kids who have gone through yeah. grad school. I have one kid in grad school right now, and it is very stressful. How many pounds did you gain during grad school? Oh, listen, my I'm going to tell you something. I came from a Syrian Jewish household, while there, yes, there was an abundance of food. My mother always uh, made things healthy and taught us the importance of watching calories. I'm telling you, I never really t indulged. I always, we grew up on such healthy food. She was a vegetarian, we weren't. But um, for us, we're just, we're always, always, we were always watching the, the nutritional label. So not much, but I will tell you, um, how many emotional pounds did I gain? Because by the time I graduated, I had to 
stay an extra semester. I switched schools. My credit transfer. It was like just so. Uh, I, I think about that process, and I, 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 I'm, I'm like, it's a blessing and a miracle I'm here, you know. But okay, um, I would bake my way through it. Me, my thing, you know, I don't know. My thing is when I bake, I don't know if this is anyone else. I'll bake, for example, I'll make a challah, you know, and I'll make a small one for me if I want to try it and then give away the rest. I'll make a dozen muffins. I'll keep two for myself, one for now, one for breakfast. Cookies, I'll keep a few and I'll give away the rest. I know if I keep it, I'm eating it. But also, I love, Rabbi, the, the feeling of giving it to anyone and not just friends and family. I'll give it to the parking lot attendant. I'll give it to the doorman. I'll give it to someone on the street. That's, you know, I love sharing what I bake. It it helps me feel connected to people. Can you can you it move does. to Detroit? Can you move to Detroit? <laughs> can you move to Detroit? <laughs> Listen, I have I have friends there. I would. I have a lot of friends in Bluefield Hills who are probably listening because I told them. Um, but yeah, okay. you know. <laughs> Good. Our guest today is Jack Hazan. He's written a book called Mind Over Batter, 75 Recipes for Baking as Therapy. Now, as when I, when, I, when I really thought about the title, so I was thinking about my wife, who is a uh, – she, she's got some really magnificent recipes. And she expressed to me when she bakes challah – which the whole the whole thing about challah, people recognize challah as being like this twisted egg-covered dough uh, bread thing that you buy in the bakery on Friday afternoon. But it has a whole tradition going back all the way to Moses because people, you would bake bread for the week and the best – uh, flour, the white flour, was used for Friday for the for the Shabbos, and there's a dough offering which was given to the Kohen to the priest so that they can bake their own bread, and that dough offering was called the challah, and since it was taken from the white dough, so the bread that was baked from it was called therefore challah. So my wife tells me that when she would do this, I mean, the making of challah, she felt this connection going back generations. When when you're baking, say, some of these recipes that you have in here, like your challah and, and whatnot, do you feel that connection? And, and when you're telling people about it, do you want them to feel that that deep connection to the to our history? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, by the way, thank you for that history. Actually, I was I've been making it for decades, but I don't I didn't really understand the full history. Thank you for that. A hundred percent. In my chapter, um, Finding Comfort, it talks about how you can use the, the like, for example, in baking challah, I set an intention to connect back to my grandmother. I, when I'm baking her recipe that was passed down to her, I'm feeling connected to my, to the lineage that came before me. I feel connected to my heritage. I feel connected to my family of and, and my ancestry. I feel that. I envision that. I use my I use my, my imagination to imagine what it was like when they're baking it. But also I tapped into the memories of baking with my grandmother and the stories that she would tell me about baking it with her mom. And so I totally feel connected. Um, even though I'm not there, it sort of takes me there. And I think that recipes and baking have that power. 
They have the power to take you, just the same way, Rabbi, a song can make you feel connected, to take you back to a time or a person or a history that you want to feel connected to. I think baking and flavors and aromas and even the process can take you there. It okay. can shift you back. And um, especially especially challah and a lot of the Middle Eastern recipes I bake, you know, while I never got to go to Syria, which is where my grandparents are from, um, when I'm baking the Middle Eastern Syrian desserts, it's kind of like I feel like I'm going back there. I, and it feels like I'm paying tribute and honoring them by keeping the, those that those flavors and those aromas and alive and sharing it with others. Okay. Now, let me let – me, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I, we have a library in Jewish Ferndale, which is where all the uh, – the books that we receive from the various publishers go after we've reviewed them and interviewed people. And we have various different catalog categories. We have 52 categories of Jewish books. And it just so happens that the cookbooks are right next to the self-help books. It's just that's the way the, the things were set up. And I was looking at this and I was really perplexed. Is this, should this book go on the shelf with the cookbooks or should it go on the shelf with the self-help books? I would say, if I had to choose, I would say it should go with the self-help book because the idea is healing, and the way you get there is baking. So I don't know if it's openness to learn how to cook as much as it's openness to bake your way through, you know, I I don't like the word self-help, maybe self-improvement, but... That's what I think. But, you know, everyone thinks something different. Actually, we have this conversation all the time. Does it go in self-help? Does it go? But, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, have you, have you, if you were able to see it, did you find it more of a cookbook or more of a, it's definitely a cookbook that's, it's a cookbook that's used for, you know, self-improvement, sure, but it's not like any other cookbook that would be on mm-hmm. that shelf, which is just, here's a recipe, here's the ingredients, go. Okay, that's true. Our review team came back um, with it. We got the book just this week, and it went through the review team very quickly. Some books kind of like languish, and uh, but this one sort of got immediately pushed to the top of the pile, and uh, they just said, this is a go. you got to do this right away. And but the the comment that I got was focus more on the stories than the recipes, because the the recipes are recipes, but the stories are stories. So it, it is it isn't true, indeed. So one of the things which uh, which which uh, piqued my interest, because people come to me as a rabbi, and they, people come to me for all kinds of problems. And when somebody's t- sitting there telling my problems, so I'm thinking to myself, this guy's coming to tell me his problems. And does he understand that my degree in becoming a rabbi was understanding bovine anatomy and pathology? That's really what my expertise is. But he's expecting, because I have the word rabbi in front of me, that I can solve all of their problems. 
But one of the – did you know that that's what rabbis do? I mean, uh, we become rabbis because we know, about, we know about kashris and other things like that. They don't – there's no – in the yeshivas, they don't tell us about how to handle people's problems. We kind of figure that out on the fly because everybody's got problems and the problems are just so many and there's just so many problems and so many problems have so many solutions. But – the the section here you have a section here about having the pantry okay and i'm thinking to myself this is a thing that when people come to me a lot of the problems that they have is they have really no order in their lives they haven't put things in their proper places they don't have quote unquote a pantry so could you tell us when you're dealing with somebody in, in like therapy the importance of a properly stocked ordered pantry my gosh, you know what? You are really tapping into it, I'll tell you that. Um, I, there is, so what I, one of my favorite parts of the book is turning your kitchen into a sanctuary, which starts with having the basics. And can I tell you something, everybody listening, it is not expensive at all. It is to keep the staples in your home. It also gives helps you feel more empowered to bake. So if you're not like some master baker, like I'm not either, uh, and you want to feel inspired and okay to bake, I think having that preparation is of, of having the staples and keeping it organized helps you stay empowered. Uh, and I think more so you'll be more inclined to bake or cook or create anything in the kitchen when you know you're prepared. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's a, the preparation meeting the opportunity of baking is what's going to create something wonderful. If you're not prepared when you're baking, it becomes chaotic and stressful. You don't have this, you can't find that. And then you spend time in, you know, oh, where did I put this? I can't find that. I don't have this. I have to order that. Let me run in right now. It becomes hectic. You know, it just becomes hectic. It takes the calm out of it. But there's a way to do it, you know. Go ahead, elaborate, please. Yeah. So I say stick to, like, reference my book here. I call it a mise en place of different, okay, a whisk, a wooden spoon, two mixing bowls, okay? Like, and then that's, like, basic stuff. Then you could get like the rolling pin or like a, an, I'm oh, sorry, a baking tray would also be part of the basics and like a nine inch round cake that you can really create anything. Um, really you can. Then if you have the basics, which is like baking powder, baking soda, flour, sugar, eggs, you can't keep in the pantry. Um, vanilla. Well, you could, cocoa, yeah. you have, you can do whatever. Now tell me, that's nothing. And you keep that in one small, it becomes your little toolbox. I, ter- I say that becomes your baking therapy toolkit. Um, and I think there's something else to be said for, and this is kind of what I would, if I were to write a second book, I would talk about this, which is keeping a clean and organized kitchen, how, how the, helping you be it. it how to create more because there's order and there's clarity and through that order and clarity you can create 
you know. Fascinating, indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. I think that decluttering the kitchen is probably like one of the best things you can do for yourself. Okay. We uh, have this space, everybody. We just don't, we, we, we do have the space for all this. We, the thing is, we, we just, we, we're not organized. You know, mm-hmm. and you're talking about since you're living in New York City, most people's kitchens are about the size of a quarter. So, with the amount that's allowed in, yes, in, in but, part, and in I had a studio. Okay, think about this. I had a studio while I was baking throughout grad school, but I had like I did it in a way that was smart. I didn't have more space. Space. I had smart space. I had bins. I had organizers. I kept this here. And by the way, I threw out what I didn't need. I was never making, you know, if I was never making a tart, I didn't need three tart pans. You know, um, mm-hmm. I just, I kept what I needed. And there was, you can create space. And by the way, everyone, don't be afraid to put your baking dishes in the oven in that lower pull-out tray, which we all have, but we don't know we have. Under the oven, there's a drawer. That's for storing trays. That's for storing bakeware, metal bakeware. Yeah. Indeed. That's a that's an important thing also. Okay, so now one thing I noticed in going through some of the recipes, the very first recipe, you utilized a shortcut. It's a very, this recipe sounded very, um, I don't know how your Yiddish is, very ungepatched. This, this was a recipe that was like, we're talking a chocolate Caramel butter cream chocolate ganache cake. Just the title Ooh. of it is takes takes like a whole page, okay? And my my blood sugar just like went through spiked right through the roof just saying it, okay? <laughs> second ingredient, second ingredient is Duncan Hines cake mix, okay? So I'm thinking to myself, what, what, what? But then I thought to, to myself when I had when we the Finman house was uh, seven kids plus every kid on the block. And kids, kids need cake. It's one of those things kids need. Need so, I'm wife is is busy with seven kids, and I'm doing what's in. So we, we, you needed cake. So if you, you could do anything to a Duncan Hines cake, and it would still come out cake. And like for example, I would just like take silken tofu, and just like blend it into it, and then I'd use like you did with the sour cream, and it was like people were saying, "Whoa, Rabbi Finman, you make these cakes." Okay, it's Duncan Hines. So tell us, people want to do things. Really, they want to do when you're doing something like this. They think they they don't have a permission to take shortcuts, and therefore they don't have permission to take shortcuts in life. So tell us about the shortcuts in life that we can allow ourselves, Jack Hazan. Okay, first off, I got to tell you, you hit the spot with me when you say Duncan Hines cake mix. I love, I, you can really do it. I think it's one of the, one of the greatest innovations in baking is Duncan Hines cake mix. All of them, it turns, it helps anyone become a baker. It's a, it's a sure thing. It's, um, it's totally, like, what's the greatest invention? I feel like there's nothing like it. And it always tastes good. You can make a cupcake out of it. You can make a trifle out of it. You can make a pound cake out of it. You can make a bun. It's wonderful. And, and like, what is it, three bucks? So, um, 
let me tell you, I believe in shortcuts. I do, and you can. It, I, it's been so, um, it's so frowned upon. Like, everything has to be complicated and from scratch. Says who? No way, no way. If you can find a shortcut to make something delicious and, and inventive and something that you can put your own style into it, why not do shortcuts? Why not? I have, if you, in my book, I have, for example, I don't know, do you, do you like churros? And I could tell you, if you gave me one, no, I would I eat it. If, if you gave me one, I would eat it, but I wouldn't go like uh, out of my way to say, oh, I really got to go get a churro. No, but yeah, I know what you mean. Go ahead. I, I, it's so funny. It's hit or miss. It's right. hit or miss. In the recipe, instead of doing a homemade sauce, I put two dipping sauces. Okay, the, the the puff pastry, pear puff pastry, which I love puff pastry. I think most people love puff pastry when it comes to baking. Instead of making the puff pastry, which is this long, arduous process, I say buy store-bought. You're still individualizing it. You're just it, – it's, it's okay to have a little bit of help from the store-bought stuff. You know what I mean? It is. I actually think sometimes it makes it better. Um because they know what they're doing uh, when the they're making. Day, they know they know what they're doing when they're making shoe pastry. Yes. You know, the other day I made cupcakes for a baking video that I posted on my Instagram, and uh, I used Duncan Hines store bought frosting. I did. I could show everyone. Look, I put the effort into making the cupcakes. I'm going to take it easy now with the frosting, so I make it manageable for myself. I think when you give people the opportunity to make things manageable and tailor it to what works for them, they're more inclined to do it again. You know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Indeed. You know, it just it, it occurred to me that a lot of people, when it comes to cooking, they're influenced by television. You have things like Hell's Kitchen and the Great Bitter Bake Off, where there's a lot of stress and tension in these things. And that's, that's what's like selling is, can that person make the perfect phyllo dough? And it's just like, we, we don't need to live our lives like that, do we, Jack? It just... We don't have to be good at everything, Rabbi. We don't have to be great at everything. You could be, you know, creative and have wonderful ideas, but not be great at, like, making the perfect pastry. Or um, I make a delicious cookie. They never come out even. And what I do is, I what I talk about in the book is uh, letting go of the need for, for everything to be perfect. Letting go and just going with the flow of baking. And that's where the therapeutic benefits really come alive when you let go of here's how it has to come out it has to taste like this i have to do i don't want to be the you know and that's like a lot of the, the women in my life that everything needs to be perfect when in the kitchen and i'm like you know to my sister on my end i'm like this is so delicious okay so you cooked it a little bit more no but it takes away the color no one cares we're connecting to what you made we, we we're you put TLC into it. It's delicious. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Indeed. Sometimes good enough is good enough. It, it kind of reminds me. I've been married for 40 years, thank God. And every week my wife makes cholent, which you would probably call hamim, which is a Shabbos afternoon stew, which has been left to cook for many hours. My wife every week makes an A-plus cholent. But in 40 years, she has never repeated 
the same challenge. It's always it's always been different because that's that's just there's no <laughs> I don't care about quality control just as long as it tastes good. So indeed. So this is going to have to wrap it up. I we could talk for for more and more and more, but uh, we've been talking with Jack Hazan, who's written a book Mind Over Batter with a B like boy. 75 Recipes for Baking and Therapy. It's Chronicle Press, available wherever you would get your cookbook self-health improvement books. And Jack, I want to thank you so much. And, and it's on sale on Amazon, everybody. On sale Just on so Amazon. You know, and and tell, tell us very quickly, if I, want to, if I want to get something from, uh, or, or if I want to hear about Jack Bakes, which is your baking organization, what do I do about that? Go on my Instagram, NYC. Jack Bakes NYC and jackbakes.com. Um, and feel free to leave me a message on Instagram. I answer those and I check them. Awesome. And I will follow you back. Wonderful. Okay. We want to wish you continued success and keep us apprised of anything uh, that comes new on your table. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I'm happy that you got the book. Thank you. It's my, It's been our honor. We're, that's going to do it. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. I hope you found that quite enthralling, entertaining. I mean, it's, you know, Rosh Hashanah and all the holidays coming up. It's important to remember that it's time. It's called a holiday. I mean, holiday implies like kicking back. So there's a lot of work that has to get done to kick back. So even even when you're up to your elbows peeling potatoes and apples and carrots, etc., so use it as use it as therapy like you know get into it be make it your uh push yourself into the groove make it that move speaking of getting into the groove this is a song called mayim rabim mayim rabim a verse from kohelis from the book of ecclesiastes written by king solomon which basically says that no matter what comes at you we still, we still got it. And this is the brothers Simcha and Yehuda Friedman. Let's listen. Ma im 
Assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Simmons here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, for those klezmer aficionados, the song is called Atansala 
which means a little dance. And this is Maishi Schwartz. <laughs> Why go anywhere else when you could go to One Stop Kosher? Located on Greenfield Road, just south of 696, you're never far from One Stop Kosher. At One Stop Kosher, you'll find the largest selection of kosher wines in Michigan. One Stop Kosher has the freshest produce, the best dairy, deli, and meats. They're gourmet. They even have a kosher bakery right on the premise. It's One Stop Kosher on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. 
You, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got time for one more. This is West Rogers Park, not a stranger to the Jewish Hour. They wrote a song called Shamil, which is about Shamil. Shamil is a song that the Rebbe taught. The Rebbe used to come down on Simplest Terror at night, in the middle of the morning, actually, like 3 o'clock a.m. And he did this for about 10 years or so, and it would teach a song that no one ever heard of before. This one had a whole, and each one had a backstory. This one had a backstory that Russia waged war against Chechnya. I don't know how long ago this was. It was like 1700s, maybe. And the, the Russians couldn't get up the mountain. Chechnya is on top of a mountain. And they couldn't get up the mountain. So they waved the white flag and said, we want to surrender. Come down and let's make peace terms. And so the king came down and said, okay, I'm ready to make peace. And they said, fine, we're throwing you in jail. And so the king composed a song while he was in jail that is a very stirring song that he was reminded of when he used to be king and now he's in the now he's in the jail and he'll soon be he'll be hopefully to go back to being king and they're explained this example for a parable for like what happens to our soul that our soul is is before it comes down it's in the highest of heights and it comes down into this low world and it's stuck here and it hopes that at the end of 120 years, it goes back. So, West Rogers Park wrote a song about the song. Let's listen. On a beautiful mountain top. He rules his kingdom and his flock His enemies defeated fight after fight His advantage is clearly his high False cry for peace He agrees to travel down Enslaved and imprisoned His pain knows no bounds But his spirit is high For he knows he'll ascend And be with his people again
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. As we said at the onset, there is no portion of the week as this Saturday will be Rosh Hashanah and we will be reading from the Torah that which has to do with something to do with Rosh Hashanah. In this case, it happens to be the conception of Isaac is read on Saturday and the binding of Isaac is read on Sunday, both of which have to do with the fact that God listens to our prayers, and God made promises, which leads us into what we're going to talk about in the next couple of minutes. One of one of the prayers, I wouldn't call it necessarily a focal prayer, but one of the prayers, it got a lot of good good uh, press on it. There's many recordings of it. Is a Vinu Malkeno. Uh, I think some of the more famous ones you have uh, Jan Pierce and Victor F- and uh, Barbara Streisand did did one and there's there's a, there's very there's numerous famous recordings of Avinu Malkeno and in this prayer which Avinu Malkeno means our Father our King and we are beseeching the Almighty that to forgive us to give us a good year to bless us with the following things. It's two pages long. In other words, what we're doing is, a lot of what we're doing on Rosh Hashanah, is reminding the Almighty that he made a whole bunch of promises. Like, for example, to Abraham, where he promised him that your progeny will be as numerous as the stars and as much as the sand by the sea, etc. And that he would take care of his people and that we'd be brought to a land flowing with milk and honey and etc., etc., etc. So comes Rosh Hashanah when what we're doing is we're reproclaiming, or let's just call it proclaiming, God as king. In Judaism, king is not a separate class. He's not this like regal. A king is a public service a servant. His job is to make sure that his kingdom, which is the more important part, you could have a king, you can have a kingdom without a king, but you cannot have a king without a kingdom. To make sure that his job, that his kingdom is well maintained, well taken care of. And so we blow the shofar. This year we blow the shofar only on Sunday because the Shabbos precludes us from blowing the shofar. And we can talk about that some other time. You can write me a letter and I'll explain it to you at rabbifinman.com. We blow the shofar to arouse us 
Two, remind Hashem that we're ready to accept Hashem as king because if you have like subjects that are not subjects, like Prince Charles III, did I participate in the coronation? Did I care about the coronation? Did there anything? It was on a Shabbos. It was at 3 o'clock in the morning. I slept right through it, didn't even think once about it. Never mind twice. Not my deal. I'm not a uh, subject of King Charles III. He should live long and be be uh, prosperous and treat the Jewish subjects under his dominion well. But on Rosh Hashanah, we are accepting the Almighty as king and reminding the Almighty he has to take care of us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Hey, Shulvenman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Go to rabbifinman.com. If you're listening on the web at rabbifinman.com, then you know where to get in touch with me. There's also, as we said, archived editions of the show. There's different ways in which we convey Judaism and hopefully entertaining and educational way. There's the donations page. It's all there. There's also Jewish Ferndale, which is our sister organization. Check them out. The story, I want to, I'm not making an appeal because, thank God, somebody gave us a donation which covers September and October. So this story uh, is about the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov wrote something called amulets. In Hebrew, it's kameya. They were good luck charms. And it seemed that his good luck charms worked. And I think mostly good luck charms are uh, placebos. But there are different ways in which these good luck charms were written. And very often what they did is they would write out God's name. And sometimes they would implore the, uh, the four-letter name of God, or the 42-letter name of God, and somehow they would put it down. There was a person by the name of Rabbi Yitzchak Jehovich who took umbrage that this should be going on. And... Uh, he made a declaration that such things are foolishness, it's borderline witchcraft, and they should have no effect whatsoever. So uh, they stopped working. And it became known to the Baal Shem Tov that it was because of the proclamation of this Rabbi Yitzchak Drahovich that his charms weren't working anymore. So he prayed to the Almighty that this Yitzchak Drahovich should get confused. Okay, so he got confused, and he wound up Friday afternoon in Mezhebush. How do you, suddenly he came out of his confusion. He said, where am I? He says, you're in Mezhebush. It's Friday afternoon. He said, I have to get, this is where the Baal Shem Tov lives. He said, I, I don't want to be here, but okay, it's Friday afternoon. I have to start getting ready for Shabbos. The Baal Shem Tov went to meet him and said, you have to uh, come spend Shabbos with me. And he said, I've already paid the innkeeper. And I'm not coming. He said, no, nope, I've taken care of the imperial. So he said, I'm worried. I eat a lot on Friday night because this Yitzhak of Jehovich fasted from 
sundown Saturday night until sundown the following Friday. Just drank water. And so he said, by the time Friday night comes around, I'm famished. So Baal Shem Tov said, I got, I'll take care of it. So it comes Friday night by the meal, and they brought this huge platter of food, and this Yitzchak Jehovah just downed it and said, that's it. The Baal Shem Tov said to him, I expected an angel. I didn't expect a seraph, which is a, uh, a burning, consuming angel that consumes everything. He said, no, no. Okay, so then he started talking about, why did you take away the power of my good luck charms? And he said, it's not supposed to, you're not supposed to write God's name in a, like this. And he said, I don't write God's name. I just write my name, Yisrael ben, ben Sarah. So he said, she showed him, to, and he said, this is, this, is, this is what I do. So the, uh, this, this Yitzchak Jehovich said, no, no, that's what he said, and he left town. And unfortunately, the good luck charms of the Baal Shem Tov didn't work, and I don't think good luck charms have worked since and we are not into good luck charms. We're into praying to God for our needs. And hopefully we had a, hopefully had a chance to entertain you a bit. Hopefully have a chance to educate you a bit. Hopefully you'll have a awesome Rosh Hashanah. You're a happy and a healthy new year. And we'll see you back again next week. Take care. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.